I'm John Green, and you're listening to Performance Check, a monthly show about how to make deeper and richer characters through panel discussions and interviews with your favorite Twitch streamers and actual play podcasts. Uh, Before we get into the episode, some quick background. This is actually the second episode we recorded, which is why we have a slightly older ad, and uh, because I'm still learning this, it suffered some audio problems. I've managed to clean it up pretty well, but you'll notice that this episode is a bit shorter than most since I had to cut some bits out. Uh, I also recorded it without Emily, mainly for scheduling reasons, but uh, I assure you she'll be in the next interview episode that we do. This week we'll be talking with James Intercasso and Rudy Basso about their D&D radio drama called Half Spellbook Will Travel. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit more about our guests. Uh, James, we'll start with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what your background is, where you come from, how you got into the hobby, all the fun stuff. Uh, So I got into the hobby in a pretty typical way. My older brother played, uh, and then uh, one day there weren't enough people in his game, and so we all gathered in our parents' basement and uh, and played some D&D, and I was sort of hooked ever since. I've always been like a theater kid who loves performing and writing and creative pursuits and stuff. Uh, And then... I when the fifth edition uh, playtest started, the D and D next playtest, I really wanted to get a lot of news about it, uh, and so I wrote to this guy who had a podcast named Jeff Greiner. Maybe your listeners have heard of him, um, and uh, and. <laughs> pitched him an idea for a podcast that became the roundtable uh and then from there i was like man i should i should do more stuff i've always wanted to design why don't i start a blog and maybe people will read it now that i have this podcast and uh so it's sort of uh the snake has begun to eat its tail and and now i do uh design work and stuff like that uh and uh and just recently started a podcast network with my good friend uh and amazing business partner rudy basso hey rudy Tell us about yourself. How did you get into the hobby? How did you end up here? What's your story? Uh, So I play a lot of video games and have always been interested in tabletop, but never got around to it until college when James had started a group and they didn't have a healer. I believe the plan was to have a skateboard filled with band-aids follow the party around. And I remember (laughs) uh, we were in a class together and afterwards I'm like, hey, how would you rather have that skateboard be an actual person? It was really awkward, Uh, but he said, sure, absolutely, you can play with us. Uh, And that was Mutants and Masterminds, which is a really cool game. Mm -hmm. But uh, ever since then, I've attached myself to James, and uh, we played in a 4E game, and then from there, uh, he did his podcast, and again, I was like, hey, can I be on it? Uh, It wasn't quite as awkward as our previous interaction, (laughs) but... uh, it was it was okay, and um, yeah, it's kind of spiraled from there. I did my own podcast on the Tome Show Network about video games, Dungeons and Dragons licensed video games. You oh yeah, go those, back? that was a great podcast. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. it was uh, very specific, but uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And then, as James mentioned, uh, we both have started our own network. Don't split the podcast network. All right, fantastic. And uh, before we get into the rest of the show, let's take a quick moment to hear an ad from our sponsor, EasyRollerDice.com. Like dice? Need more dice? Check out EasyRollerDice.com for amazing dice, including their gunmetal and rose gold collections. When you visit, make sure to use coupon code TOME, that's T-O-M-E, at checkout and save 15% immediately. Again, go to EasyRollerDice.com and use code TOME at checkout and save 15% and snag yourself some great dice and gaming accessories. 
Okay, and we're back. All right, so um, this can go to either one of you. So tell me about how Spellbook Will Travel. Uh, where did it come from? Who had the idea? Wh what was the inspiration for this? Sure. Do you, do you so, yeah, 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 absolutely. As I mentioned, I went to college with James, and the way we really met was through the theater community there. Our college had a really cool all-student-run theater group. There are actually two, and we were both really involved in both of them. And, you know, we made a lot of really artsy performance focused friends and it's been you know 10 years i love to meet with them whenever i can but i wanted to do a project that incorporates all of their talents because i think my friends are very very talented um and isn't video based because that's just too much work so i thought uh well james and i've been playing for dungeons and dragons for nine ten years now we've had so many hilarious moments so many like great role-playing moments what if we drew on that, drew on our history with the game, and wrote it all out to kind of dramatize a little, to take out the combat, because that can be a little boring at times, and just focused on the great character moments that we had. And hey, I can cast all my friends. They'll work for free, which is very important if you want to have a good podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it'll be great just to see them again and to hang out with my friends and have a reason to hang out because I'm sure, you know, everyone can agree that as you get older, it's harder to find those reasons. So that's kind of where the concept came from. And uh, yeah, we've been going for over a year now and it's been a lot of fun. Right, James? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible journey, and it's been a great way to reconnect with all of our friends. Um, and uh, and now, like, people are listening who aren't just the 30 people we asked to act in it. Uh, so that's been really rewarding, too. Um, you know, there's there's fans. One one person started a wiki for our show, uh, you know, that is, uh, that's really fun and, and has a lot of jokes and stuff in it, too. And, uh, you know, people are, are actually very passionate about it as far as the audience goes. But then as far as our friends go, I think one of the best things that's happened is we had a big game day um, at Rudy's house. Rudy threw this enormous game day for the cast because there were several of them who hadn't played D&D &D before. And so we got to introduce a lot oh, of our wow. friends to D&D &D because mm -hmm. of this. And we're going to have another one uh, this summer. So, uh, yeah, I'm I, like that was like, wow, this is look at all the people who have made this happen coming together and eating lots of food and, you know, playing lots of games. It was amazing. OK, so two important milestones that I need to see if you all have reached. How do you have people start doing fan art for Half Spellbook Will Travel? <laughs> uh, no. That's the one thing that I'm kind of disappointed about, is we don't have any fan art. Uh, because, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just it hasn't panned out for us, unfortunately. But that's okay. <laughs> that's, that, that's a big point, I feel, in any podcast, or actual play podcast. Like once you kind of hit yeah. the point where people are like, yes, I'm going to write out the characters. Uh, mm. The second milestone is once people start writing slash fic. And uh, okay. I, I don't well, know if that's, that's happened my, or that's not a yet. I'm okay yeah. with sidestepping. Uh, <laughs> uh, I will say this: Rudy has not seen what's on my hard drive, and too late. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, so why a radio drama rather than an actual play? Like, what, what was it? What was it appealing about a, a good old-fashioned radio drama? Uh, I think uh, I kind of wanted more control <laughs> over it. <laughs> Um, okay. I love actual plays, and I think that they are great. But there is that, you know, I mentioned earlier, sometimes the rules minutia can be kind of annoying. Um, sometimes combat can feel a little slow. Uh, 
and I kind of just wanted to keep it to uh, to story. And you know, there are people who love the combat aspects of actual plays, and that's great. More power to them. But I kind of wanted to just focus on telling a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, my friends are actors; they're not all improvisers. I would say so. I felt like using their strengths, it would be best just if they could read uh, read the lines as written. If they could spend the time thinking about their characters sure. and how to to uh, to portray them. Sure. So, yeah. whenever you're writing uh, things for a character, how what steps do you do to try to give every character a unique voice? Man, uh, and that's the thing that I feel like gets harder with every episode uh, because one thing we do is we're like, oh, you know what? In this one, we're gonna have we're gonna add this person and this person and this person because uh, we have some friends who are extremely talented and can do many many uh, voices. You know, um, we're we're really blessed, I think, with people like Vince St. John and and some other actors who can really uh, Caroline Collins. You know, do like a million different voices, and you'd never know they were the same person. Rudy is actually one of those people too. Um, <laughs> so, but I think I think when writing and giving each character a unique voice that has gotten harder and there have been times where we have said to each other like oh this could just be this person who we introduced you know like we'll be outlining a story and and rudy will usually be the one who says like yeah that could be x y and z and i think that's even more rewarding for listeners too and it's also then easier for us because we don't need to ask an actor to come up with a 16th voice uh you know they just (laughs) can go back and and use one of the 15 they've already created um but i think I think when coming up, uh, one thing we like to do is go into our games uh, and say, you know, like, uh, we really loved this character. We really loved, um, you know, I I can tell you that Varn and Benicio uh, and Kai, who is in the first story arc, like all three of those are PCs that our friends had played that we really wanted to bring to life. And we, we thought their quirks were funny. So a lot of that is... PCs and NPCs from the table, right, Rudy? Yeah, absolutely. And we try to avoid classic fantasy tropes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, some characters, maybe not so much, like Varn is the arrogant wizard. I think that one's been around for a bit. But uh, we do try and do things to kind of like flip it on their head, like making a lich speak in like regular, <laughs> like annoying conversational tone and not be this dark brooding monster. <laughs> um, so I think that helps make things unique is try and flip the trope or turn it on its head or um just to make it a little bit more interesting i think or um, right james is that right yeah no i i mean that a great example is uh, in the first story arc there are some pixie bros uh and i think that helped in my mind that helped set the tone when we think about monsters yeah. like sometimes a monster is weird enough or evil enough or you know we're we're hoping that people who don't play D also listen to and enjoy the podcast and so like sometimes it's like cool and abolith is scary enough and weird enough that we can just make it be an abolith but other times it's like yeah let's turn a pixie on its head let's turn you know the x y and z on its head and, and make it different uh and that's been really really fun like those are some of my favorite moments i think when we do that kind of thing so if um so in an episode when you're writing you've got you know you've kind of got the main plot i'm guessing structured out and you say right we need to get this plot point across so some character needs to kind of deliver this information how do you how do you look at a line or something like that and decide character A would say it like this like Benicio would say it in this way whereas you know if it's coming from oh, I just blanked on the um, 
the wizard's name. Um, like he would say it this way: How do you look at how different characters would present the same information? How, like what steps do you take mentally to figure out how to deliver those kinds of things? Uh, so I think at this point we're pretty secure. I mean, we've written over eight hours of content at this point, or nine hours, or something like that. There's a lot. Uh, I definitely think at this point we we could know. And the other thing is, you know, always check with your actors too. The actors can give a lot uh, to to how to present something. So even there have been times where I'm like, eh, I guess you'd say it like this. Uh, when we sit down to record, Dan or Dan Kaiser, who plays Benicia, or whomever might be like, hey, you know, I think you would actually say it like this. And I'd be like, that's perfect. Okay, cool. So, um, you know, we think about the big picture, but they're thinking about one thing a lot. So right. I'm happy to, uh, you know, acquiesce to whatever they think uh, in terms of how someone would say something. So for a lot of the kind of the, the initial crafting of a, a character's you know a, a character's voice a character's perspective, so some of that you said was based on existing PCs. When you had to make a new PC, is it were you just looking for what's interesting, or were you looking for what's distinct, or was it something what's something we know an actor can do? Like how do you approach when you're introducing a brand new voice into the show? Uh, I mean, I'd say it's it's a combination of those things, right? Certainly knowing your resources and knowing what your actors can do is great, and we are blessed because we have such a big cast um, th that we can usually find somebody game to do whatever we need them to do. And then I would say, from our perspective, we think like, okay, what? why do we need this person? What what purpose do they serve in the plot or comedically? Um, you know, like, like why is this person here? Uh, because it's also then, okay, now we're scheduling an extra person to record with, right? There's like this whole logistical thing too that goes along with it. Um, so it's thinking about that. And then for us, I'd say the big thing then is like, when we sit down to give the person a voice, we think about what will serve the comedy like, so we think about what will serve the story, and then when in giving that person the voice, we like to think about, you know, what is what will make this funny then? Or what will make this, uh, you know, as the, as the series has gone on, what will make this appropriately dramatic, right? What will make this feel earned? Uh, so, you know, when you're, you're coming up with a big, scary villain, why are they scary, but why are they interesting to listen to? And sometimes it's because they're funny, sometimes it's because they're tragic, or sometimes it's because they are so evil, right, that uh, that they become interesting to, to sort of listen to. So for me, I mean, that's, that's usually the, the way I approach it is like, what purpose does this person serve? How can they serve that purpose but still be funny, usually, is, is where I go, because it is a comedy. So how do you how do you decide when you want a character to be like right you're you know I'm sure there are certain characters that start out like right, you're purely here for comic relief these other characters are carrying you know the drama and the story but you know that over time that changes from from one to another how do you decide when a character needs to be the comic relief cracking wise and when do you decide you know what now we need to dig a little bit deeper into who this actually is who this character actually is and bring them to the forefront uh, James, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, I, and so that's uh, it's funny, that comes out a lot, I think in our outlining, Rudy and I uh, outline a lot of stuff together, and so, and then we'll, we'll be talking about moments, you know, usually we talk in generalities, like, this should happen, and then it's like, okay, how does that happen, right? We get more and more specific in there, and when we're getting into those specific moments, I feel like that's when we really 
talk about, okay, it's time to do this or it's time to do that. And I think one thing uh, we're very conscious of is we don't want to necessarily do the same thing over and over again uh, as far as plot goes. Like, we don't want to... For instance, at the beginning of the story, uh, there is, uh, you know, this sort of will-they-won't-they story. Uh, And we didn't want that to play out forever and ever and ever, because we think that that's a thing that's been done, but it also then doesn't allow those characters to grow at all. So for our recurring characters, I do think we try to put them in situations uh, that will, you know, it'll come out like, oh, we gave somebody a fear of water right um well well what's it going to be like when we force that person onto a boat i don't know let's find out you know um so i think that's a that's a big thing we do is we try to consciously in our planning stages plan out these moments where it's like how are we going to get how are we going to see a new side of this person this person has been comic relief for so long how do we see a new side and i feel like Varn, who is the arrogant wizard Rudy has been talking about, uh, who is also voiced by Rudy, uh, is a great example of that. Uh, we, you know, when he started out, Varn, basically the joke was Varn thinks he is the best. Um, and we've, uh, you know, that joke only works for so long, right? And and only so much in an episode. And so we have begun to sprinkle other sides of Varn. You're, you see some compassionate sides. You see some, like, flawed sides of him and so it becomes very interesting and it's happened with a lot of our characters uh thovin battlebeard i feel like is another good example of that he's our he's played by this uh guy named john fisher and we were like when we first wrote it we were like he's a dwarf who speaks cryptically that'll be funny um and again that only plays out for so long and so we've gotten to show more of him as well and that's that's really, it's a conscious decision, uh, I think, whether you're writing it or playing it at the table to say, like, okay, people know X about the character, now I want to show them Y, how am I going to show them that, you know? And the next bit might be a little bit of a spoiler for people who haven't listened to the show up through episode 5, I'll try to keep it a little bit vague, but because of you know, a personal romance, one character, I mean, effectively begins multi-classing, you know, kind of serves the st- used to serve the story because one, one person needs to effectively do something very different than what she has done in the past. So when you're looking at those kind of things, are, do you try to look at it more from, you know, hey, to service the story, we need uh, we need another spellcaster in the group? Or is it more, as part of this character's personal arc, we think this is a fun direction to take her and change things around for her? Or was it, I mean, do you ever go back and kind of think of things in game terms where, you know what, if I was playing this character at about this point, I would want to take this multi-class rule. Like how how do you approach those things that are fairly I guess in, on a in a tabletop game would be a pretty major turning point or could be a pre, or could be a very minor turning point because it's just for mechanical things. How do you take those changes and let that be defined by story, or do you do it the other way around where you're like here's a story oh and I guess mechanically in the background this is what would happen. I think it's probably more the latter. I think it was just like a bonus that it's I didn't even think of that as no you're absolutely right it is multi-classing. <laughs> um, just like the game, that's what we're writing. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, from the beginning we had planned for that specific character to have a spellcaster role. And like, yeah, from a party perspective as well, it's kind of like, well, we have one wizard. We could probably use more arcane firepower. So that worked out as well. Um, yeah, we, we had prepared for that change for a while as part of that character's story arc. 
And, um, yeah, it just worked out that the RPG aspect of it was lended itself as well. Like James said, we try and keep a broad perspective, and we want to appeal to as many people as possible. Just like, you know, how your mom loves games of Thro- Game of Thrones or whatever like that. Uh, but we want those kinds of things to be there. So if you are a Dungeons & Dragons player or an RPG player, you'll you'll pick on it, up on it and uh, appreciate it a little bit. That a normal, I guess not normal, but a... Uh, someone who might not be as familiar with the games would be. Sure. Starting to uh, wrap things up just a little bit. Uh, we'll keep this one nice and tight. What's a What was a favorite story or moment that was in the show for each of you? Like, when you think back over, you said you recorded just over eight hours, it was like, right, here was the best part, or here's my favorite part. Which moment jumps out in your mind? Uh, hold on. Oh, man. There's a lot to pick from. Okay, I think um, there's a moment that was 100%, like, we crafted the entire story arc around one, probably the funniest D&D moment I've ever had, where uh, a character is dead, and another character is trying to woo uh, a living NPC into, like, giving, uh, giving him something that she has, and the dead character is able to inhabit someone's body... And at the moment where the one PC is going to kiss the NPC, the other character inhabits her body, so they kiss each other. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that was uh, a really funny moment, and I think it it played out okay. And you know, audio only, it's kind of difficult to uh, portray <laughs> something like that. But I do think it turned out all right, and I've gotten a lot of compliments for that moment. So that's yeah. a really really funny part, I think. Yeah, that is that was a great great moment uh, that uh, that played out at the table, and it was great the way it played out in the podcast too. So, um, yeah, I, I, that is a definitely one moment that comes to mind. Uh, my like as far as just funny moments come out, one of my favorite moments is uh, so the guy who plays Benicio also played a dragon in an episode, and uh, he's giving this very big dragon speech and he's you know we modified his voice to make it sound super evil and he starts to mess up what he was going to say and talks about like how he should have brought his note cards and that sort of thing and it just sticks out in my mind as i've i laughed really really hard when i was listening to that um and uh and so uh that is one of my my favorite moments too is um the black dragon so and was that rudy was that a did you write that in or was that an improv moment in there i did write that that was like oh my note cards uh, really funny (laughs) i loved it (laughs) so i guess bring this back down to more of a personal level how has writing and develop these characters changed how you approach characters in your own personal games or has it not i mean has it been the other way around like has how you develop characters in games changed the way that you write that's a good question. I think, I, you know, I think at the at the start, um, we were trying to to play to a lot of our. I, I guess for me, right at the start, we were trying to write towards our experience in role playing games. And as it went on, things have shifted um, because we need new story ideas, and the stories have taken us in a very original direction. And we still work in moments from our games and stuff all the time, uh, but it's definitely become its own thing. And so it's funny because I feel like at first the games informed Have Spellbook for me, and now it does feel like Have Spellbook informs the games. I know when I sit down to write something as a game master now, 
uh, I think about the audience, which right is maybe four to six players, and think about like how can I make this turn clear to them? How can I define characters well? One thing I think is is giving characters that unique voice. I have about four voices I can do, and so all of my NPCs were like old men or little kids or southerners. You know what I mean? Like those are kind of or me. That was it. Uh, and so now it's helped sort of develop, okay, well, maybe this is another old man, but how do they sound different? What makes them different? So I, I do think have Spellbook writing many characters and writing out a, a plot like that has helped me write a campaign and write NPCs. Yeah, I've always had difficulty as a player having like a story arc for my character. I'm usually pretty obstinate in that way. I kind of come up with a concept and stick to it. Uh, to level 20 or 30 or whatever the end point is. So I think writing this and having our characters shift in such significant ways or have an arc where something happens to them that changes their perspective has really informed my playing as well. I try and be more vulnerable, my characters. I try to have something that changes their outlook and try then to play on that new perspective and... Uh, it's made, I think, it's made it a lot more interesting for the other players and I think for my uh, GMs as well to see, oh good, Ru to, to be is not as predictable to, for them to be like, oh, Rudy's doing something different for once. He's not, you know, being the leader and uh, interrogating people and telling other PCs to be quiet. So uh, <laughs> I think it's made me a better player overall, which is good. Excellent. Good to hear. All right. Um, I guess that'll go ahead and do it for us. Uh, any so before we get to uh, kind of you know where people can find you, any last thoughts or any last things you want to bring up about Have Spellbook for our listeners? Yeah, I mean just you know the the usual promotional stuff. Like it's really fun. We we spend a lot of uh, time on this um, because it is a, a labor of love. Uh, so check it out. And even if for even if you're listening to the Tome Show but don't like role playing games, uh, check it out. <laughs> uh, so I guess that. <laughs> would not make sense at all but yeah yeah i would say it's it's great and and check it out and we do try to keep it in general pretty family friendly so it's one of those things you can enjoy with you know kids who can grasp plot and things like that too right yeah i definitely think so yeah yeah so share right. with the kids sounds great all right uh rudy where can people find you if they're interested in learning more about what you're doing Sure, people can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. And of course, we have our podcast network, Don't Split the Podcast Network, which is uh, don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. Uh, we have a lot of really great shows, including several actual plays. Uh, obviously, have Spellbook, some DM analysis stuff, a lot of really cool, interesting D&D and RPG-focused shows. Yeah, definitely. Right, and James, what about you? Where can people find you? Uh, so people can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash James Intracasso. That's I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Uh, and you can check out like all of the stuff that I'm doing game design-wise at worldbuilderblog.com. Uh, and of course, okay, of course, yeah, that's, please. Of course, any award-winning gamebuilderblog.com. <laughs> let's, let's make sure you get your kudos uh, in there. <laughs> Yes, it did. It did win in any. Uh, so, uh, but that's because of voter fraud and things like that. Um, so, uh, 
but uh, but in addition to uh, in, in addition to that, I also would echo what Rudy said. Go to don'tsplitthepodcastnetwork.com. Check out Have Spellbook Will Travel and all of the other awesome podcasts that are there as part of the network. All right, fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. And uh, I hope Ellie will uh, have you back on again sometime soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Of course. And that brings us to the end of another episode of Performance Check. I'd like to thank Rudy and James again for coming on. Don't forget you can find more episodes of Performance Check and other great shows on thetomeshow.com. You can find me on Twitter at John underscore M underscore green. That's J-O-N underscore M underscore green, just like the color. Or you can read an RPG supplement called Edge of the Frontier, a Western conversion for Star Wars FFG role-playing game uh, that I created, over on drivethroughrpg.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.